Welcome to The Edge of Act, the podcast where we explore the intersection of human stories and business success. I'm your host, Carolyn Crawford, and I'm thrilled to have you join me as we explore the minds of entrepreneurs, marketers, and visionaries who have mastered the art of alchemizing their personal journeys into their business success and learn how you can apply what they've learned to your own business. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply someone fascinated by the power of human stories, The Edge Effect is here to offer you insights, inspiration, and a fresh perspective on what it truly means to make your mark in the world. Get ready to be moved, motivated, and challenged as we embark on this incredible journey together. So let's begin. I'm Carolyn Crawford, and this is The Edge Effect. I am with the wonderful Patty Harrison, founder of Marcher Studio, a company that makes premium, beautiful, and functional handbags and accessories designed to make life easier. Patty, welcome. I'm so excited to learn more about you, Marcher Studios, and the human story behind the brand. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. I'm so excited. I'd love to just start kind of in the beginning. You started your brand in 2015, correct? Mm-hmm. And you have a long history in fashion. How did you first get started in fashion? Oh, that's an interesting question. I've never had anybody ask me that. And I kind of stumbled into it. And I was working in advertising right after college. And then I went to work for TaylorMade Adidas Golf based in San Diego, the San Diego area, and worked in on the equipment side and then had the opportunity to shift over to Adidas Golf and worked in apparel and footwear. And I loved it. I was like, this is amazing. And slowly sort of started to work into the product creation side in apparel. And I really loved it. And then I moved to New York and had the opportunity to work for other brands there. So I worked for Fila when it was a owned by a private equity firm and was a turnaround business. And then just sort of kept going on that path and worked in fashion in New York for a couple of brands. I had a brief stint in the beauty industry, which It was good. It was brief. I realized real quick (laughs) that it wasn't for me. But and then I went to work for Nike, which it was funny. I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, it's the largest apparel company in the world. Uh, And I was there at a time when it was really interesting because activewear was just coming into being as big as it is, you know, for a long time working in fashion didn't include activewear. And then it just exploded. Wow. And then you were in merchandising, your or your role was in merchandising for activewear. Did you yes. have any influence on the design of activewear and what went into that? Yes. So the the role that I had was really overseeing the business piece of it. But we worked really closely with design and development, and especially when you work in smaller organizations. So I worked obviously Nike's huge, Adidas is huge. But I also work for some smaller companies, too, and it's much more tight-knit. And so even though we don't design the product, we sort of, we had a lot of influence, for lack of a better term, you know, from a design perspective. And at the end of the day, you know, especially at Nike, our job was to really deeply connect with the consumer. And so we were able to influence design a lot through the lens of the consumer at the end of the day. So it was amazing. That's really interesting. How Do you mind sharing a little bit about how you went about doing that? Yes. So, you know, when you work for a big company, it's amazing because you have all these resources and we would have huge focus groups. So we would meet with women on a large scale. We'd meet with women on a small scale. 
we'd have opportunities. So one of the cool things I got to do when I was working at Nike Golf was we were trying to learn a lot more about the Japanese golf consumer. And we had the opportunity to do a deep dive. We all went on this big trip to Japan. We went to golf courses. We went into people's homes in Japan, which is very out of the ordinary. You don't even usually invite your friends over to your home in Japan. So it's it's really cool just having the opportunity to connect with people on a deep level and really understand, you know, what their pain points are as consumers. And that's one of the, you know, gifts that a big brand gives you. Sure. It's interesting. That's a really interesting approach because it really is boots on the ground market research. And I mean, I think so many brands may do that, but to do it in such a way that's very intimate, like you said, going into someone's home when it usually that doesn't that's not the case. So I find that right. really a really interesting approach, especially from such such a large brand. Yeah. A question for you. So I want to start and I want to talk about like Marcher Studio, of course. And one of the things I was reading or or you shared, I should say, is that you mentioned that you are you connected with and start and created Marcher Studio. And I thought it was really interesting how you used the term connected. And I wanted to ask if you could share a little bit more about what you meant by that. That's a that's a great question. I don't know. It kind of just came out of me. <laughs> I love it. It's such a powerful term, which is why. And the fact that like you didn't even you almost didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is. It's it's fascinating because the thing that is interesting just from a brand perspective is. When you're kind of, for me, at least my journey in thinking about it is I never wanted to name the brand after myself. Not that that's bad, because mm-hmm. for a lot of brands that works really well, but I wanted it to be about the concept and the woman that I'm serving, you know, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was when you ask about connecting i think it's really interesting because it's more like like the brand found me in a way you know it was like i I identified like okay you know what does it stand for and i've been thinking about i've been thinking about starting this brand for like a solid five years before i even left nike but even though i did it's not like it all just came together like oh i've been thinking about for five years here it is like Coming up with the, you know, brand name and just the concept is like way harder than I ever thought it would be. But it's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we exist to make beautiful, functional product that, you know, makes your life easier. Like that's the, you know, we're solving a problem that women have had for years and there just haven't been solutions out there. So it it was kind of cool how it came together. It was in looking back on it, it's like, oh yeah, they kind of came together, but it also it took a long time. It took longer Definitely. than I thought. Yeah. That's so interesting. And and I and thank you for sharing that because I love I love that you said, right? It found you and in many ways. And I'm especially because I and correct me if I'm wrong, but like your influence and the positions that you were in before. I would as you went from golf to handbags. And so I think like, you know, in active wear, of course, there are other parts in, in between that. But that is is quite the turnaround. So I'm curious to know what made you what was 
You say you're solving a problem. Can you describe what that problem was? Yes. So ultimately, like I like to tell people, we're solving for the black hole, right? Which every woman has experienced. And it's that where your you know, bag is just this vessel that's kind of a hot mess on the inside. But what it really, you know, it, it also stemmed from solving my own problem. So I used to live in New York. And when you, you know, live in the city and you walk outside your door every day, you carry your life in your bag because you could be gone from, you know, 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night. And I always, you know, kind of thought like, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was a handbag that had a bunch of pockets that I could put, you know, all my things in? Because, you know, maybe you're carrying an extra pair of shoes or your lunch or your laptop or just, you know, makeup to, you know, put on later in the day so you could go out. And I kind of kept thinking like, sure, I'll find something, you know, that I like and couldn't find anything, couldn't find anything. Or what I did find like that was functional was not exactly met my style expectations. (laughs) So... I can relate. Uh, right? Right? And and so I think I just kind of kept thinking like, okay, like this, you know, I'll find something, I'll find something. And then we moved from New York back here to Portland and I started working for Nike and I kind of kept thinking like, I'm sure there's something out there. And then it just, I just realized one day I'm like, this bag still doesn't exist. Like, I really want to do this. Wow. How interesting though that it sounds... It was a it was it a multi-year process because that's what it sounded like. It was not a I you woke up one day. I mean, it's you officially decided that one day. Right. But like the just the idea of like, OK, we need a bag. I need a bag. And like, finally, you were the one to create it. And I love that you you have you basically set a standard for combining that beauty with that function as well. And that was hard. That seeming. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. Seemingly it was hard to hard to find, especially now, especially at the time. So I can certainly relate. And I know my mother can as well. She her bag is always a black hole. So <laughs> um, but and there are never enough pockets, like truly. And so I I am my gratitude to you for creating that <laughs> I wanna ask you, you know, you mentioned too and your your brand's kind of speaks to this as well is innovation and being innovative with the design of it and how the bag functions and everything. Can you talk a little bit about how did innovation come into play in your design process? That's a great question. I love that question. I Innovation is so infused in everything that I do. And I think a lot of it's honestly like working for Nike because, you know, we would make, you know, product had to be beautiful, but if it didn't perform, like, forget about it, right? And so I think this, like, DNA of innovation was just, has just, like, grown in me over the years. And so it was like, well, of course, like, why wouldn't I, like, try and bring innovation into the bag space and make it better? And for me, because I had the opportunity to work with tons of different materials, you know, over the years and creating performance apparel, that was sort of like the first lens that I looked through was like, how can we bring in performance materials, but still have it, you know, feel luxe and more in the traditional handbag zone. And so 
that was sort of the first lens that I looked through and bringing performance materials into the inside of the bag. And so all of our bags are water and stain resistant on the inside. The big bags have the Cordura fabric that I tell people, I'm like, you could like literally hose down the inside. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> because it's, you know, it allows us to use a light color. So like all of our bags are kind of like this, like peachy earth, not earth tone, but like, like a light peach color. So you can see everything on the inside. But, you know, typically you'd be worried about, well, if I use that type of material, like it's going to get dirty or, you know, right. I, you know, my lipstick cap falls off and you don't have to worry about that. So wow. that was sort of the first step. And then it was like, okay, how can we innovate in terms of pockets on the inside? And how can we innovate in terms of versatility and just functionality as a whole? Like, yeah. is it going to, can it be worn multiple ways and, you know, things like that? And, so I think, and there's still so much more that I want to do. That's what's sure. exciting. It's like, oh, okay, this is sort of like we have our initial product offering, but it's like, if I had my druthers, like that's all I would do is like work on product all day long. That's so interesting. And in, in the fact that you're paying attention, you're innovating really small details that people have, I think, in my personal opinion, because I have at least, have really accepted as the norm. Like, oh, yeah, it's shitty on the inside of this bag. Like, oh, huh? but, or it's always dirty and therefore I can never fix it. Whatever it is, like I have that problem all the time. And I don't think anything about it because other than this is annoying because that that has been the norm. So I'm curious to know how in your since starting your business and now and being behind the scenes of of the creation of something like this, how has that compared to what you saw while you were in-house and or in your previous roles? How, so how did it compare in terms of, or I guess I can rephrase, if, if basically you're paying such close attention to certain details that are often overlooked by others, I think <laughs> in the industry, correct? So yes. I'm curious to know, like outside of, just fashion and like having more functions such as pockets and things like that. Yeah. Made you really inspire, be inspired to take it to the next level. I mean, you mentioned Nike, uh, you mentioned the performance and matching that. So I'm just curious about how the actual handbag industry had had an influence on that in your previous. And that's a good question. So yeah, I would say <laughs> the industry as a whole, right? It's like, I mean, one of the questions I ask is like, why can't a girl get a pocket, right? Like, it's <laughs> it's so funny how, and there's a whole history on that, right? In terms of pockets and pockets in women's clothing and, you know, things along those lines. But it's this, it's really, I think it's interesting how the industry has been so focused on just, you know, looking at things from the outside instead of focusing on the inside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I like to use when we're talking about bags, too. It's like, hey, it's on the inside is what really matters, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's it's so interesting that for so long, like, that's just kind of been the norm. And it still is. There's a few brands out there who have done, have come into this space and are doing a really good job. But still, as a whole, you know, there's... There's not a lot of functionality in most bags. Right. And 
I don't know. I just I think it's kind of sad, actually, because it's like, you know, have you ever talked to a woman about her bag? Whoa. Have you ever asked one what they need (laughs) and what they like to carry at all times? Yeah. And what they like. Exactly. That's the other thing is like, you know, what do you carry? What does your life look like? What, What are we solving for here? So it's funny now that we're having this conversation. It's just it makes me kind of chuckle. Like, really? Yeah. Like we've gotten this far and you guys are still, you know. Doing the same old, same old. They put pockets on dresses and thought that was enough. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, okay, well, you know, you got your pockets. You're good. Right. <laughs> and everyone still freaks out about it. <laughs> I know. It is ama- isn't it funny how, like, little things like that make such a big deal? It's so true. Yeah. I, I wanted, I kind of thought of a parallel, and I could be very, mm. could potentially be very off here, but the name Marcher Studio. Well, actually, I'm going to backtrack if that's okay. In, I really love what you said, that it's what's on the inside that matters, right? And you're talking specifically in this context about a handbag. But obviously, that is such an important sentiment in people, of course, yep. as well yep. as a brand. And I'm curious if there is potential parallels on the name Marcher and because I don't think we you mentioned how the kind of the concept came up, but I don't think how you I don't recall you fully expressing how marcher came about, like the word marcher. I'm not curious, is there a pe- parallel between that busy woman, like you said, who le- can leave her house at 7 a.m., doesn't return at nine, marching around the city, doing all the things, but also and this is maybe where I'm stretching it a little bit, but it seems that like every detail that you put like you said what's what's on the inside that counts so i'm curious if if there's a parallel when you think of that avatar of a marcher and your audience and and all of that so (laughs) so this is so this is so interesting that you brought this up and i'll i'll give you like a little bit of a backstory because this was actually part of the conversation i had a friend who helped me in the beginning as i was you know kind of working on the concept and the brand and everything and I, I, I don't like to, you know, uh, correct people, but the actual like pronunciation is Marche. Marche. Oh my I know. God. <laughs> well, no, I should have told you that in the beginning, but I actually am just like, it's fine because, you know, there are, there are brands all over the world that, you know, have their own pronunciations. Like in other parts of the world, people call Nike Nike and mm-hmm. Adidas is the actual name right. of Brand, but people call it Adidas. So anyway, so I try not to get like hung up on anybody because the brand's for you. It's not, you know, it's not for me. But uh, <laughs> but the so that the original concept. So I've always been inspired by everything French, and marché in French means to work or function. Mm-hmm. But it also it has multiple meanings, and it also means to walk. And then when we were talking about this initially, we did talk about this idea. My friend and I talk about this idea of Marcher, right? Because that was her, you know, concern. She's like, you know, everybody's going to call it Marcher. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but, you know, that's okay. And I think the marching element has a real life to it, too. So I, I kind of, you know, I kind of like it at the same time. So that that's really the idea is that, Marche means to work or function in French, but it also means to walk. So it's like it needs to be functional for you mm-hmm. to work with you throughout your day, like as you march through the city, you know, right. 
one of the other things that we talk about is, you know, we want to allow our product to, we want our product to allow you to sway through your day. And that's our ultimate goal. So, but that's, that's where the, that's where the name came from and a little bit of the story behind it. So it's, it's really fun about the marcher thing. (laughs) Well, that is so interesting. And I actually, it's, you definitely see some influence that isn't that isn't just strictly marcher. There's an elegance and sophistication towards your brand and the way that you design the handbags. And so, but you know what I think is really interesting is how confident and 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 just very stable you are in the versatility of of the name as well as the bag. And I actually think that relates really well and connects really well with the brand as a whole. But I think that's really interesting, whether that was intentional or not in in terms of the versatility. But yeah, very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the interesting things that I've learned too, like having a brand since the beginning and seeing how it's changed is it's like, there's obviously a soul of a brand that exists that you know is your is the dna of it but there's also this sort of like growth and breath that moves through it like and it changes Mm. it evolves so much like and that's what's been really interesting to to be part of but also like when you sit back and you observe you're like oh yeah like that it kind of has like naturally changed a little bit and it's kind of fun to watch and just see you know what the how the journey is going to go so cool that's awesome i i really do love that and i just think it's amazing that there's that you are putting so like i said there's so much thought into every little detail that and those details that are often overlooked not just you know this outside and making sure it's of course premium high quality and things like that but just that it combines that innovation and function so i I think that's amazing. And I'm curious to know, how has that, how, when you first started the brand, and again, you talk about this growth and and sort of evolution that every brand has. And I'm curious to know, how has that played into your messaging when it comes to connecting with your audience? That's a good question. So I think this is something that is challenging in some ways is you know how do you tell your whole story when it's like to your point like there's a lot of details to go into mm-hmm. this and i'm kind of going through this right now because i was talking to a friend of mine who's helped a ton of brands and how they've grown their business and whatnot and she was like i want to hear your story more like on the front page of your website i want to see like what's your story And it's really interesting because when I started the brand, it was, you know, always about having an elevated feel to the brand, right? Like we wanted to feel sophisticated, but at the same time, you know, and that was sort of the the land of, or the time of like Instagram perfection, right? Where it was, you know, all about showcasing you know, beautiful imagery and inspiring, inspiring women through beautiful pictures and whatnot. And so I sort of had struggled with like, how do I, you know, convey this like 
elegant like elegant kind of elevated vibe but still like show the personal side it's hard it's really hard to do that storytelling and and then not only is it like okay there is actual human behind the brand but there's also so many more things that we could talk about other than the product right like the importance of you know made in america to us and what sustainably and ethically made means and so it's like how do you tell all those stories not that they're not all important but like what rises to the top and how do you make sure that people understand that and and you know as we were talking about too like it's changing all the time right like now video is so much more important and so I don't have a good answer because it's really hard yeah no and that's I was going to ask you at some point what has been the most challenging. And I would say that's something I certainly relate to. And I think I think so countless small businesses especially relate to that. And it's because they're there trying to figure it out for themselves. And I think that's kind of why we're here talking right now is to because that is such a common challenge. And and it's so, so difficult to like you said, convey that story while also sharing it in a way that's trending or that people are connecting with right now. And then at what point is part of the story potentially, you know, it's got to like, it's no longer a competitive narrative, if that makes sense, versus what is really to your core that story. And I'm curious if you have if you, I guess, have the answer to like, what do you think kind of trends aside, approaches aside, what really is the core of Marche? Good pronunciation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, the, I would say at the core, it is crafting beautiful and functional, innovative products. Like that is why we exist and what we do day in day out like if if it doesn't fit that profile like then we don't need to make it there's Mm no and then it's like that's the core and then there's all these little all the all the things that that's where (laughs) it all gets tricky but i think what's so beautiful though is that that is what it sounds like you instill every day since you started and yeah i'm curious to know how when it kind of back or extending a little bit from the brand of it all and the marketing of it all how has that influenced the process of how you make the product and and create the concept of the product that's a really good question too i mean one of the things that has been that has helped so much it's also lengthened the process a little bit but it definitely helps is i so i have a studio that in 2015, I like remodeled my garage as as in an effort to like, I just knew I had to do it. I don't know what it was. It was like, it was like field of dreams thing. <laughs> and if they, if I make it, they will come. <laughs> and I started like designing product in there. And it was so challenging in the beginning because I didn't, I never designed a bag. I didn't know about bag construction. I didn't know about materials. I didn't know about any of it. And so I started like just playing with things in there and then 
I went and worked with someone who was a, she's a teacher. She has done bag design and development and production for a lot of her career. And she taught me, I worked with her one-on-one to teach me how to make bags. And she taught me how to use the industrial sewing machine. She taught me pattern making, like all the things. And so I slowly have been like building up my studio. So I bought an industrial sewing machine. So that way I could start sewing my own prototypes. Because I could sew them before, uh, but it was just like, you know, they were really rough. And then uh, I was able to get a skiving machine so I could make the prototypes even look a little bit better. And then like slowly just getting more and more to 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 do all of the prototyping in-house, which really helps from an innovation standpoint, because you can test things and you can be like, is this going to work? Whereas the more traditional way of working is you have a sketch, you do a tech pack, you send it to the factory, and then they, you know, build you a prototype, which is great. But one, it costs a lot of money to take that route. And two, then you, I mean, you can be iterating and iterating because, I mean, really to, you know, ensure that it is going to meet this like standard of innovation and beauty and function. There's, there's a lot of rounds of making, you know, to ensure that it gets to that point. So I think that has been what has really helped is having the ability to make product in-house. Right. And and also, get, I would imagine you physically have your hands on it as soon as it's done, as you're going through. So you at any point can pivot. And I like you said, it's costly to use someone else. I imagine the process is extremely tedious and frustrating at times, I, I would imagine. Uh, so yeah, you're just kind of putting that control in your hands. And so I think that's that's awesome that you can do that. And and you mentioned too, and in, in, in my research too, about Marche was you, you really stress sustainability you mentioned earlier. How has that, what and kind of inspired you to make sure that that was a core value and something that you instill every day? So that absolutely, I mean, apart from just like, hey, you know, we've got big problems to solve in terms of the environment and and whatnot. And so it's like, it's clear that we have to be, do things differently moving forward, right? But apart from that, being in the fashion industry for as long as I was and understanding how much waste is part of the production manufacturing process and just the overall impact on the environment from manufacturing in general is significant, right? In terms of water use and there's so much that ends up on the cutting room floor in manufacturing and factories that you see like, for example, well, one of the nice things when you're working with fabric versus leather, right? A hide is an imperfect, you know, shape and whatnot, and you can't use all the parts necessarily. You can, but for like bags, you know, you have to be strategic about where you pull from. Well, when you're using fabric yardage, right, that has like a standard, you know, 55 inch width and whatnot, you know, you work the pattern, you know, based on the yardage of the fabric. Well, for a lot of patterns, maybe 25% of the material goes to waste. Wow. And that's just part of the manufacturing process. This is, wow. that's one element of it, right? So you see so much that gets wasted 
as part of the manufacturing process. And then uh, the thing that we don't talk enough about in this industry when it comes to the consumer aspect is overproduction. Like there is so much, I mean, I'm talking like thousands and thousands of units that just never move because the the way that the whole process works is you're forecasting, you know, things 12 months in advance in terms of what consumers are going to want and what consumer demand looks like. And I think COVID was interesting, right? Because that exposed so much of that right away. Right. It was like, all of a sudden there was so much inventory because the anticipation was like, okay, we're going to sell this much in 2020. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was like, oh my God, we got to hit the brakes. And everybody had so much product and it just was. And so there's sort of this, there's so many aspects of it that I've seen in the fashion industry that it's like, nope, that's like, I don't, I don't need to add to the problems that are out there with this brand. So it's like, how can we focus on sustainable manufacturing processes and how can we make sure that we don't make more than we can sell? And a lot of that is also because since we're doing product that's made in the U.S., we have lower minimums. So like if I were working with a factory in Asia, you know, I would ha- be having to buy at least like three to 500 bags at a time. Wow. You know, who knows if I'm going to sell that many. But so I, I think that's been the biggest thing is just seeing the industry for so long from the vantage point that I had is like, nope, we need to do things differently. How interesting. And in Again, you bring up so many interesting points that not so many people talk about in in regards to the waste, the overproduction. And we see it when we're w- walking in the stores at like TJ Maxx and things like that. That is the exact example of that. Right. And so I'm curious. What I find interesting, though, is that you included that as part of your brand messaging. And I'm curious to know why that. W- I, of course, it's an important core value, but I'm curious to know why what impact like why it was important to include that in your messaging as well that's a good question too i sort of i guess i never really considered it not being part of the messaging just because it's like well the the way that i sort of put a framework around the brand is that's one of our core pillars so there's like three Mm -hmm. core pillars one is this you know beautiful beautiful functional and innovative product. Two is this kind of idea of made in the U.S., sustainably and ethically made. And then three is this concept of community, right? So it's like we want to have a deep connection with the woman that we serve. We want to know how we can better solve her problems. You know, what this is kind of an overused term and especially in the fashion industry, but like how can we delight and surprise her, you know? And it's like, but also in terms of the community, how can we impact like our local and greater, you know, more broad community too? Some of that's through domestic manufacturing and the economic impact that it makes and whatnot. So those those are sort of like the three core pillars of the brand. And so it sort of seemed natural to make sure that, you know, we communicated that as part of our DNA. That's great. And I also find that interesting that you mentioned specifically community. And I think, I think, it, and 
this is definitely generalized, of course, but there's so, so many businesses and a lot of business owners that I personally speak to, and maybe you've experienced this as well, is they talk a lot about community, but what it's, and they, they focus a lot of it on kind of just building a closer connection with their audience and kind of labeling that as community, not to say that it's not, not to say that it is, right? But I find it interesting that you also include the partners that you work with as part of that, not just your customers. And that this community is not just about, or this core pillar, I should, should say, of community is really not just about how can we connect better with our customers, which of course right. is always something that you're off, you're going to try to do, but how can we make everyone feel included in what it is that we're creating and the impact that we're trying to make? So I find that really, really unique and interesting. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk a little bit about, because I want to be mindful of your time. I want to talk a little bit of, about your kind of approaches. We talked a little bit about the challenges that you have, you've had thus far when it comes to messaging and getting in, in the best way to tell you that brand story. What has worked well for you? Oh, that's an interesting question, too. <laughs> I like to flip it on its head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there are some days where you're like, is anything working well? <laughs> Definitely can relate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I like the the most impactful thing from a marketing standpoint, I would say, is has been PR. And so in 2019, our Juliet Tote was featured in Fast Company Magazine's Best Work Life Bag. Yeah. So they oh do. Oh my gosh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. Now it's like, it seems like ages ago at this point, but because, you know, COVID sucked three years of life out of all of us. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was awesome. So the editor, I worked directly with her. Like I didn't use an agency. I knew she did this list in this roundup every year. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to reach out. Like, what do I have to lose, right? And she got back to me right away. I sent her a bag. And it was it was only a digital online article, right, that went out with their newsletter. But it's kind of like a highly anticipated list every year. And it was like amazing. It was like in terms of traffic and, you know, orders and whatnot. I was like, oh, my God, this is so awesome. And so that is like really I think that, you know, that social proof because you know, I did send her a bag and she tested it and she didn't have to include it in her lineup because there are other options out there. Right. Uh, but so that has been really good. And I would say other than that is email marketing has been really strong. And in the sense, I mean, I think I need to grow my list a little bit bigger. That's my challenge right now. But, you know, if people are willing to give you their email address, which is, you know, fewer and far between because everybody's bombarded and with content and, you know, information all the time. It's kind of, it's a gift, you know? And yeah. so to have that way that you can, and, and I've tried to take a little bit of a different approach to email marketing instead of sending very all, you know, sales or promotional or product, you know, specific, but trying to add some value to her life. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we have things like, because I'm so nerdy type A with a lot of the things that I use for my own life. I'm like, oh, these are great tools. I should share them with other people. Like we have a packing list that we sent out for travel and, 
Um, we haven't done it this year so much because it's been a little, you know, off to a crazy start. But there's a monthly newsletter that we send out called Practical Distraction. And it's just like kind of fun content that we think, you know, she'll enjoy. So, you know, and we always include like a cocktail recipe in there or something like that. And and so that's been really fun because I think people appreciate it. People like comment on it, you know, like, oh, I got you. I love that when you send those out. And so I would say those are the two biggest things that have made an impact. And I'll be real honest, like, I think social media is the hardest. <laughs> it always is. It, it it always is. Not just for me, from every time I've talked to a business owner, they're like, I can't be consistent. And I feel like every time I try, nothing works. And so then they naturally are like, well, I'm not motivated to keep going at it. And I always tell people like, and it's, and you know, you mentioned this too with your email marketing, like you didn't want to be salesy. You wanted it to provide value. And that's why you have the the newsletter and whatnot. But it it really is a matter of focusing on, you know, what can you get behind no matter what? And hopefully, hopefully other people get behind it. And every time I hear about people doing that, that it's been successful where they're yeah. just like, I just, I like doing it. I had fun with it. It just happened. And so it's interesting that, that you share that. And it's, it's very, well, it sounds like even it's instilled in your brand that everything that you do is very intentional and you do it because you're passionate about it. So. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. That's totally true. Yeah. Okay. My, I just have a couple more questions if that's okay with you. Yeah, um, this is so fun. I, this is so fun. I've, I've loved learning so much about you and in the handbag industry. And yeah, this is, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. <laughs> what has been the most unexpected thing in a good way than Ooh. starting your brand? It could be marketing related. It could be a win. It could be a customer thing. It could kind of be across the board. I. I think the mo the like I guess it's like maybe not unexpected because you kind of think like oh you know I'm going to grow no matter what but I I think the personal growth and development is mm-hmm. the most unexpected in terms of doing things that I didn't realize that I could do or you know like or things that other people told you you couldn't do. That's such an interesting point. And that's actually something I use. I was sharing, especially when I first started my business, people were always like, what do you like? How is it? What's the most challenging? I'm like, the marketing thing, like the client actually helping the clients with it. I'm like, no problem. No personal thing. I was like, I did not. And the personal development was not what I expected. It mm-hmm. had to be the level that it was. Yeah. Extremely grueling and <laughs> rewarding. <laughs> it's totally true. It's like, you know, everyone talks about entrepreneurship, right? Like the big highs the, and the lows. But I mean, you have to like, you have to dig so deep sometimes on things when you're just like, and because, you know, especially if you work pretty much independently, which I think you do and I do for the most part. You know, the pep talks you have to give yourself and things you have to, you know, say to yourself to just keep on going is, yeah. you know, it's it's deep. It's <laughs> deep work. Yeah. Uh, but it's but it, you're right. It's so rewarding because 
when you do look back and you're like, wow, I really don't. <laughs> yeah. You're like, didn't think I was going to make it there. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's exciting because you're like, ooh, what's, yeah. you know, what's the future look like? Yeah. Yeah. So that actually brings me to my next question is you, what does the evolution of Marche look like for you? Oh my God. <laughs> I think my dreams are bigger than my bank account, but uh, <laughs> right. I there's so much I want to do. I mean, I so I'm working on. I, I've worked with a factory historically that's been based here in Oregon. They're amazing, and I would love to work with them, but they don't have capacity for small brands. So I have pursued this like long-term dream of like really having a full-blown production studio slash wow. factory all of what you will so i really want to have full-blown in-house production where all of our bags are made in here in-house in the short term i'll probably be doing a lot of the work but Ultimately, I want to have, you know, I want to employ people, you know, year round making bags. And I really envision creating this apprenticeship program, too. So, you know, with so much manufacturing going overseas in the 80s and 90s and a lot of the American craftsmanship, you know, before that, like so much of our product, both apparel, accessories, everything was made domestically. And there were a lot of craftspeople who were super talented and it's just, you know, died off. It's, I have this kind of vision for like, how can we revive American craftsmanship? And in addition to that, like, I really want to expand another product category. So under the, you know, ethos of beautiful, functional and innovative product, how can we do that, you know, in other product categories? And, you know, maybe that's, a little bit of apparel. I, I have this like idea for, you know, beautiful outerwear that's really functional because especially rainwear is hideous. And I think there's so much opportunity or, you know, home goods and whatnot. So I would love to expand lifestyle, you know, wise into other categories too. So that's amazing. How would you say that, how would you, or I guess, how do I put this? How do you envision the your kind of impact on the industry as part of this evolution? Oh, that's good too. <laughs> I would love I would love to have more of an opportunity to educate consumers about the industry as a whole and there you know cuz it's funny there are some fast fashion brands out there <clears throat> I won't name names that I know <laughs> You know, I was talking to someone about it and they're like, oh, you know, we love it. We can, you know, buy this bathing suit and it's only like $8. And it's like, oh, boy, let me, you know, let me give you a few facts on that. And 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 I think it's it's no fault, you know, of consumers. Right. Because they're seeing this opportunity. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is so cute. And, you know, it's so cheap and whatnot. And and I think when you start to educate people and you're like. So I'm pretty sure the person that made that didn't get paid for it because there's no way you can make a garment, you know, for that price to get it here to the U.S. And and I would just love to have more of an opportunity to make sure that people understand so that they can, you know, make choices with their wallet and decide what they want to do. Wow. That's so important. And so and so overlooked. 
right now. So that's incredible. Okay, my last, my very last question is any piece of advice for new business owners? Hard hitting questions today. Like the, yeah, especially because it's like there's so many things, right? And it's hard because it's like, there's like, yes, and I think probably the most important piece of advice I would have is get really clear, get really clear on your brand, what you stand for, your product or service, whatever it is, and then keep getting clear. Like if you're if you're not sure, you know, like what path you should take or I think getting that clarity helps move everything out of the way. It's not easy to do. I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, okay, now I know. <laughs> right, it's, right, right. It's and it's a process. And I think that's part of the personal development of it. I've definitely struggled with that for myself too. So that I think that's great advice. That's it for this week's episode of The Edge Effect. But the journey doesn't end here. We encourage you to take the lessons learned from our guests and apply them to your own entrepreneurial endeavors. As you navigate the ever-evolving world of branding and marketing, remember that it doesn't have to be overly complex. But communicating your brand effectively is an ongoing journey. It requires continuous refinement, a deep understanding of your audience, and an unwavering commitment to stay true to your story, the unique edge that sets you apart. Stay tuned for future episodes where we continue to unravel the challenges of branding and marketing through the incredible impact of human stories. Until next time, keep embracing the edge, embracing your story, and making a difference through your business. I'm Caroline Crawford, and this has been The Edge Effect.